The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us again for another edition of Winning Ponies. Again, uh, landed some uh, some top guests in here. I think that uh, you're going to enjoy. Uh, of course, uh, we've got some exciting races uh, to look at uh, everywhere from uh, Golden Gate to Santa Anita to uh, to Gulfstream Park, and uh, got some uh, top notch guests with us uh, today too. Uh, we're talking. Uh, Outstanding award-winning writers, two of them, and one of them a pretty top handicapper too. And uh, with, with us uh, from the uh, from the writing road uh, is uh, John McAvoy. Of course, uh, we've had uh, uh, we've known John through the Daily Racing Form as an editor and executive columnist uh, for the form, and uh, now he's the author of six mystery novels. And I absolutely enjoyed reading High. Stakes. It was just fantastic. Uh, it's a new book that he's got out. So we're gonna we're gonna go down the alley a little bit with uh, John McAvoy and uh, talk to him about his days at the Daily Racing Form and now his uh, switch over to a mystery novelist. And then uh, also with us is uh, going to be Frank Angst. You know we've had uh, we've had Frank on a few times as a uh, a handicapper. This time we're going to have Frank on as an Eclipse Award winner. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Frank's uh, Eclipse Award, and then we're going to uh, move on uh, to actually handicapping some races. I want to take advantage of of having him on. So uh, again, uh, we'll be talking with John McAvoy and Frank. Angst. Um, on the uh, on the the news front, we're going to cover what's happening around the nation. But before I get on to that, I uh, do want to uh, thank our sponsors: One Two Three Racing Pick Six. It's America's newest handicapping contest style Pick Six wager. One Two Three Racing is not like any other Pick Six. It's a two dollar Pick Six with a twist. You can win America's most exciting wager by scoring points across six races to scoop up that big pool. All you need to do to play at 123bet.com. Winners are guaranteed, guaranteeing up to $100,000 in payouts on the 123 Racing Pick 6. So here it is. It's easy. Play today at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. And don't forget to go over to Winning Ponies and pick up your easy win forms. Uh, they've been having a slew of winners of late. Uh, well, uh, before we get on to uh, some of the uh, 
the news of the week. I wonder if you tuned into the Fox broadcast. We're so happy that a lot of the races uh, we were looking at last week uh, were on uh, Fox Sports 1. I just wonder if the producer showed up late or if it was just a, a, a technical thing. But uh, the, the uh, when, when we first came into it, uh, you know, I mean, there was a great race uh, where uh, Mishka Wish and Javier Castellano uh, just bullied their way through. But what I couldn't figure out is why they put the race in a box, and then on the side they had the Fox and Jockey Club logo. I mean, uh, yes, we certainly appreciate them them putting on the show, but, uh, you know, I think that you really want to see the stars of the show <laughs> that that are the horses. And then uh, what's interesting is is uh, later on in the broadcast, uh, the replay went full screen. Uh, the feed at one point early on, the the, the feed went to, to black during the dawn. Uh, the post parade did not match the audio. Only the one horse had graphics. Um, and then again, the replay and the talent was full screen. Uh, I am glad that they covered the uh, the Robert B. Lewis, and they went back to that. Uh, but they didn't go back and covered the Withers, and it seemed to me that they had plenty of time uh, during the show. And then by the time we got to the San Marcos, they did go full screen, <laughs> and uh, so uh, it was just kind of uh, kind of all over the place. And again, I don't know how much of that is the of the, the reception or the limitations that they get from the, the different tracks that they go to, but uh, I'm so happy they're doing it. I just hope that, that in fact, they, they, they get it right uh, if they're going to continue with, with the show. So, uh, and, and they are. They have a whole series of them. So let's look at a uh, couple things that, that happened this week. The Derby Trial is going to be renamed the Pat Day Mile, and they've moved it to Derby Day. Uh, so uh, it's uh, going to be very uh, nice. I'm sure Pat will be there perhaps to uh, to, get, to give out the trophy. And, uh, again, that's the most significant change to the stakes menu uh, at Churchill Downs. Uh, now, on, on, there's a 25-stake lineup that emphasizes big event days, uh, $375,000 increase. Uh, but the Grade Three Derby trial, I guess, uh, sure won't be used as a prep for the Derby anymore. Not that it has been in modern times. Uh, so that will be run on Derby Day. And again, congratulations uh, to Pat Day. Uh, none of his victories were more memorable, of course, than his uh, triumph aboard Little E.T. It was the 1992 Kentucky Derby. He rode it in a record 21 consecutive renewals of the Kentucky Derby. Of course, uh, Pat, uh, taking the high road, is always saying that it's a tremendous honor to have a race at any time of any kind named of your honor, and that honor is in and of itself. But to have a race such as the Derby Trial move to Kentucky Derby Day and have it renamed the Pat Day Mile is out of the park. So uh, kudos to uh, to Churchill Downs, and uh, happy for Pat Day. Uh, As Predicted all others is the five to two choice in the Kentucky Derby futures pool. Texas Red's the favored horse, though we've got some late breaking news on him. So once again, 
it is so wide open, and we're going to look at a couple races uh, t- today and look at a couple race results uh, that will tell you just how open it is. So the mutual field right now is the uh, the favorite. Uh, Texas Red was narrowly beaten by Lord Nelson uh, two weeks ago, was the favorite, but uh, since then he's had a little bit setback in his training. Uh, other ones that are highly regarded uh, as far as the 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 betting is concerned um, that uh, Lord Nelson is now a narrow nine to one choice in in the Derby. Uh, American Pharaoh and Unbeaten Dortmund are both co choices at, at ten to one. Uh, then Claiborne Breeders Futurity winner Carpe Diem and Holy Bull winner Upstart at twelve to one. So. Uh, there's still going to be some more rounds, but again, it's so wide open that all others are the ones that got it. Now, as far as Texas Red, he's sidelined with an abscess right now. Remember last year he won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and uh, put in a strong race uh, in in his return, though finishing second to Lord Nelson in the Grade Two San Vicente. Now, uh, Texas Red, uh, according to Keith DeSormo, the trainer, is uh, going to uh, kind of take things easy and probably swim up to keep his uh, fitness. He's got an abscess in his foot, trained the first couple of days. Of course, uh, any setback at this time of the year uh, can really hurt you. But what he says is, hey, he had a solid foundation of races as a two-year-old, missing two or three weeks, shouldn't have fed his fitness level, and he does anticipate going to the Derby. So I certainly hope in fact, we see him there. Uh, the Derby Museum is going to open an exhibit on the first black jockey, uh, jockey Isaac Burns Murphy. And uh, I'm really looking forward uh, to reading the, the book that, that has just come out, The Prince of Jockeys. And you can go to princeofjockeys.com. And uh, I do hope you do, because next week we're going to have Pelham McDaniels III on, the author. Now, if that name rings a bell to some of you, he used to play in the NFL. And uh, right now he's, uh, he's penning the book on uh, perhaps one of the greatest riders that, uh, that ever got in a saddle. They say that he won at a 44% clip. So that's going to be at the Derby Museum. Javier Castellano was named Jockey's Guild Jockey of the Week. He's absolutely been on fire uh, in the Great Three Suwannee River on Saturday. He rode the Irish Bread Sandiva to victory for Todd Pletcher. Two races later, he teamed up with uh, Pletcher again, uh, racing in the Grade 1 Gulfstream Turf Handicap. Uh, again, a great ride aboard Michel Wish, if I'm saying that correct. <laughs> and believe me, you would not have placed a winning bet on this horse at the 16th hole. He had nowhere to go, but somehow he found running room and got up by a nose. And then he went wire to wire with Constitution in the Don Handicapping, upsetting champion Lee in the stretch, when I say champion, he was last year's Donna champion. He was hoping to repeat like another famous horse, and that would be the smoking cigar. Well, speaking of smoking, the highlighted race of the week was the big match between Shared Belief and California Chrome. It did live up to its credentials. California Chrome looking awful strong into the stretch, but along came that little gelding, Shared Belief, who went off at even money, and he ran by the horse of the year, California Chrome. He has now only lost one 
race in his 10-race career, and that was the Breeders' Cup when everybody remembers him getting absolutely slammed coming out of the gate. Uh, just uh, ridden beautifully by Mike Smith, who's been his regular rider. And uh, so, shared belief, it looks like he's going to stay on the West Coast. Word, and it sure sounds like Art Sherman isn't that happy about it, but $10 million will lure a trainer across the ocean that California Chrome will be going to Dubai to compete in the richest race in the world. Let's hope he does well, and let's hope he bounces back. You know how many horses go over to Dubai and don't come back as strong as when they left uh, North America. And Opportunity, who was the other logical horse, uh, ended up running third in the race. The Exacta paid seven sixty. The Trifecta eight dollars and eighty cents. If ever there was a three horse race, that was it. Uh, also out at Santa Anita, there was the Robert B. Lewis. Get a look at the three-year-olds in here, and this was strictly a two-horse race. You want to see a game horse? Go back and watch this race. Dortmund is something else, and, man, it looks like we got a rivalry cooking on the West Coast. Firing line and Dortmund, these two have gone head-to-head in their last two races, and the head that came back at the wire, it looked like Dortmund was beat. Firing line almost had a length on him. About 80 yards out, Dortmund comes back, fights hard under Martin Garcia, and wins for Bob Baffert, but don't rule out firing line. Very, very game again. That was in the Robert B. Lewis. And, of course, uh, we already mentioned the Don Handicap, and it was a wire-to-wire win with Constitution. Uh, He's been lightly raced, but he had a big comeback effort last time in the Clark Handicap in the fall. Had a good post, had the rail clean trip. It's going to be interesting. There's rumors that he, too, may be going over to compete in Dubai. Lee, who won it last year, did finish second, and Elwani finished third. And for the race that didn't make it on the broadcast that I thought should have, and that's the Withers, mile of 16th at Aqueduct, upset time. This horse is, in, in the, is one of the field horses in the Derby uh, preview, running a 96 buyer far from over a son of blame trained by Todd Pletcher. Uh, he was last for three quarters of the race after stumbling out of the gate and came on with good courage, upset the one to two favorite, El Kabir, who just came out of wins in the Kentucky Jockey Club and the Jerome at Aqueduct. Okay, that was a look at last week. And right now we're going to take a little break and we come back. We're going to be dealing some high stakes with author John McAvoy. You're listening to Winning Ponies. school to the pros, we, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing... 
The 123 Racing Pick 6, America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love 123 Racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at 123bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and, and with me, a gentleman I've known for many, many years, I knew him through my contacts with him at the Daily Racing Forum. I'm talking about uh, John McAvoy, who's the former editor and executive columnist for what we used to call the Bible, the Daily Racing Forum. He's now the author of six mystery novels uh, published by Poison Pen Press. High Stakes is his most recent. Uh, He's also written four nonfiction books, and two of his books have won Ben Franklin Awards. And uh, so uh, with no further ado... I want to welcome to Winning Ponies, John McAvoy. John, how are you? I'm glad to be here, John. Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think how far back we go. I, I think I recall maybe about, oh, I don't know, 25 or 30 years ago, I we used to write a breeding column in Ohio when, back when the program was strong. Well, I, yes. Yes, I actually had to do a thing called fax uh, my stories to you <laughs> up in Chicago, and you would edit them and place them in there if they were worthy enough. And they were always worthy. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks a lot. Well, uh, John, let's uh, introduce our audience to you, your entrance into racing, and, and your many great years at the Daily Racing Forum. Well, my entrance into racing, everybody asked me that question, and actually uh, racing came to me uh, in 1953 when my mother took me to Old Washington Park uh, in Homewood, Illinois, and I saw a native dancer. And I was astounded. I thought, what is this? This is amazing stuff. And that's, that began my interest in it. Well, you can have an interest, but how do you make a career out of it? Well, it's a, well, kind of a you know, zigzag uh, stuff. I mean, I work for uh, race, uh, regular uh, daily uh, newspapers, the Milwaukee Journal. I work for the Kenosha News, which is the town I'm from. And, I, uh, and then I taught school for three years at Stevens College in Missouri. And I was always looking for a summer work, and I kept applying to the racing farm. They never had an opening. And then finally, one year, they called me, and they said, well, yes, we do have an opening. Would you like to come up and interview? So I went to Chicago, got the job, and I stayed with them for 33 years. Um, how, did your, how did your duties expand while you were there, and what changes took place over the years you were with the form? Well, the main thing, the major change was the, the shift from, uh, you know, hot type, lead type to uh, computers, 
which was an astounding thing for the the people that worked at the racing farm. All these printers uh, eventually got tossed out of work, and I had an ex- uh, you know an interesting experience for about a year and a half. They closed the Chicago office. Uh, there was nothing coming out of there, uh, you know, as far as the newspaper. But I was there writing a, actually a book that became through the pages of Daily Racing Form. Yes, and I was I the have only it. person there that was not a printer. So I'm sitting there every day with about 50 guys that are, have to show up if they're going to get paid, but they don't do any work. They're doing puzzles. <laughs> couldn't watch TV. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And they eventually lost their lawsuit. They They thought they had written into their contract that they couldn't be bumped out by new technology. No, they were wrong. I I, I guess they're they were. Now, uh, you're you're I, I I I do have a copy of the book you wrote when you when you were with the form. Um how how did you kind of segue in into uh publishing novels, uh, particularly nonfiction? Well, um I was fortunate, and somebody suggested to me that uh, I might write a book called Great uh, Racing Mysteries. This was through the Eclipse Press and uh, my great editor there, Jackie Duke, and she allowed me to go into the and spend a lot of time coming up with 12 chapters about things that nobody's ever answered in racing. The you know, disappearance of Shergar, uh, yes. Snyder's disappearance, and you know, all, all kinds of things like that. So that was my first book, really. And uh, then I wrote a couple others for them, and then I thought I'd always wanted to write a novel anyway. And um, so I finally produced the first one, uh, which I could not sell for about a year and a half. I, people, uh, Editors kept telling me, it's, it's good, but we don't like the protagonist. I said, well, what the hell am I doing here? I don't know. Um, so I wrote another novel with a different protagonist, which was purchased by Poison Pen Press. And then they said, well, what about that first one? Well, they did that one, too. And so I've sen- since then I've written and published six uh, horse racing mysteries through Poison Pen Press. Well, when I, when I went up to research uh, the book, you were right up there with Dick Francis, and that's certainly <laughs> got to be considered a, a compliment when people start searching out your books, that uh, you were even above several of his books with, with high stakes. Well, believe me, I'm, uh, I'll never exceed Dick Francis. He was the the model for this. He was, uh, you know, terrific, terrific stuff. And uh, he's an. I've read all his books, of course, uh, and I enjoyed them all. Well, uh, I, I had so much fun. I, I think the last book that I ripped through, like I did High Stakes, was was Sea Biscuit. It's one of those okay. ones where, where you're like, oh, damn, do I have to go to bed? I want to read the next <laughs> chapter, you know? And then after you come back from work, it's like, where's that book? I got to pick it up, you know? And uh, uh, I, I guess what, what, I, what I want to do is kind of introduce and familiarize our audience with the protagonist in here, a guy by the name of Jack Doyle. Kind of yes. give his characteristics and his personality. Well, Jack is a—he's uh, a, you know, a smart guy. Um, he was uh, had a um, unsuccessful career as an ad exec because he couldn't take direction. He's very irreverent, uh, but he's plenty smart. He was an ex-boxer, not an ex-boxer. He was a, a very good amateur fighter, and he got into horse racing. And he's uh, been able, uh, giving me a chance to look through his eyes at a lot of things in horse racing that I think people are interested in. Uh, he's been involved in some various scrapes, uh, almost been killed a couple of times, but he keeps his sense of humor. 
<laughs> yes, he does. And obviously, you have a great sense of humor because I found myself uh, pretty much laughing out loud at, 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 at certain portions uh, of the book. Uh, so, some of the some of the quotes that you pulled out from other people, or you know, people that they uh, that, that they referred to, um, uh, just. Comments like uh, the cathedral of the delusional, you know. <laughs> I don't know where you, where did you come up with that? that I mean, well, I highlighted that because I, I'll be honest with you, John. I'm going to steal that. That's going to show up in my writing somewhere. That was that. just fantastic, John. I've been a, a, a Cubs fan since I was like nine years old. Like the first time I went to Wrigley Field, okay, that was the year they won the pennant. I was in third grade. My nun at the St. James School allowed us to listen to the uh, the, the broadcast. They got beat. I struggled home, and my mother had also heard it on the radio, and she, uh, to make up for it to me, she baked a cherry pie, which was my favorite. Oh, yeah. In order to comfort me. But I'm dealing with the Cubs for all these years. You know, it's, a, it's an amazing uh, extension of an ineptitude. It's, unri- it's unrivaled. <laughs> It, it comes. It comes across uh, in your writing that not only were you fa- you were a fan, but it, it, it upsets uh, uh, Jack Doyle and some of the people uh, uh, he's with. Uh, yeah. There was another you you, you uh, quoted uh, Mark Twain. I believe that uh, uh, beer is a corrosive and whiskey <laughs> is a polish. <laughs> my, well, my clothes. Exactly. That's a very good. That's exactly what Twain said. Twain said so many good things. You know, one of his most famous ones that I recall very well. He said, I've given up smoking many times. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, in, in reading this book, I could tell that there's certain things that you have knowledge and, and, and passion about. Uh, how do you know so much about, I'll just put out three things, boxing, Ireland, and jazz? Well, I've, uh, I've been a boxing fan. I, I covered boxing when I was a, a young reporter. And I've always liked it. Um, Ireland, uh, my, uh, well, I'm an Irish-American. Uh, my great-grandparents came from there, and I have a, a sister living in Ireland now who went over there years ago on a vacation and met a man and married him, and there she stayed. So uh, I visit, my wife and I visit her every couple of years or so. And uh, I love Ireland. You know, it's my favorite country except for the USA and then Italy. <laughs> Yes. Well, you know, again, uh, while you mentioned that, uh, some of the characters in your book, and I I needed to tell our listeners that uh, John McAvoy does an outstanding job of putting you right in the room with people or in the jail with people or in the bar with people. You kind of get the smell of the place. You can feel the mahogany. uh, The rain's coming down on the top of your head. Um, I want to know, did living in Chicago help with your seemingly... Uh, accurate description of the mob <laughs> and their practices. It helped me. <laughs> no question about that. I, I had I knew a lot of people, uh, and I won't go any farther than that. Uh, <laughs> and I, well, I'll tell you one quick. Do we have a, a minute here? Sure. I went to a to a, a boxing match at the Rosemont Horizon with a good friend of mine, and uh, we were sitting in the second row. We both both big boxing fans and. Uh, all of a sudden, he got up and he went down, and this little guy came up and gave him a big hug. And it was Joey the Clown Lombardo, who had just gotten out of federal prison. And my friend came back to me and said, I'm not going to introduce you to him. I said, thank you, don't. 
the less said, the better. Well, listen, here's exactly. the bottom line. Uh, I, like I said, I, I thoroughly immersed myself uh, in this book over, over the last couple of days, and uh, I want our audience to know how they can get their hands on high stakes. So, okay. John, available. take available it away. Amazon. You know, a sh- shameless promotion. Do it right now. Well, thank you. It's available on Amazon. It's also available from Barnes & Noble. And it's also available from my publisher, which is Poison Pen Press, located in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, they will be happy to ship you whatever you want. Okay, so we know basically anytime you, re- you really want something, if you go to Amazon, pretty much you're going to be able it's to on get there. your all of my All of my books are available on there. Well, all I can say is uh, I, I, I highly recommend it. Uh, I started out uh, with mysteries. I do have your compilation of stories from the Daily Racing Forum, and now I'm blessed to hold into my hand high stakes, a book I would highly recommend. Uh, I don't really want to too much get into the storyline, but I can tell you you were a little bit ahead of the curve with uh, kind of what this story is based about, something I'm Thank sure you. you could not have predicted yes. when you started to the book. I had no idea. I had no idea that stuff was going to go on, you know, with uh, with Peta, but it worked out all right as far as the book. I mean, can we can we talk about that at all? Yeah. Oh well, you know the you whole thing. Thirty seconds. With, uh, my producer's telling me. Thirty seconds. All right, not enough time. Uh, so I will just say to you, John, thank you for doing all this great research. Uh, you're very kind to me, as you always have been. And I heard your description of the other races preceding this. I'm going to say one thing. I don't tout horses too often, but I like Dortmund. <laughs> yes. yes. It reminds it, me of Point Given. I mean, I, don't, I hope you got to see that race last week. He was a big horse. I've seen all his races. He's green as hell, but he's got great. No, anyway, we'll see. <laughs> hey, listen, I appreciate your input as somebody that's watched as much horse racing as you have over the years. And, John, I, I wish you nothing but the best, and I thank you for oh, taking thanks. the time out to, to be with me and, and our uh, listeners here on Winning Ponies tonight. John, I couldn't thank you anymore. All right. Best of luck. We've been talking with John McAvoy, a longtime Daily Racing Forum staffer and uh, executive columnist and uh, author of several novels. Highly recommend High Stakes, which is a Jack Doyle mystery. All right. We're going to take a little bit of a break here. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with one of the newest Eclipse Award winners in North America, my friend Frank Angst. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing... 
the one, two, three racing pick six. America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love one, two, three racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at one, two, three bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now is uh, Frank Angst from The Blood Horse. I've had Frank on uh, many times to help me out with the handicapping portion of the show, which I'm sure he will at the end of this segment. But right now I have him on to uh, tip my cap to him as uh, being an Eclipse Award winner for the multimedia presentation on his presentation of Waiting and Waiting for Crowning Glory. A generation repeatedly denied a triple crown winner looks to California Chrome. And again, uh, I don't know how many times uh, we've had that sigh of relief and that not not relief, but the sigh of distress in that final yeah. furlong at Belmont Park since affirmed where everybody's praying for a triple crown winner and it doesn't happen. And uh, you brought to the forefront that feeling so well, Frank, that you were recognized with the Eclipse Award. Welcome back again to Winning Ponies. Thanks for that introduction, John. I really appreciate that. It's been a humbling few months and just really proud of the award and proud of Blood Horse and just the whole team there. It's been a good few months here and to be honored. And we put a lot of work into those long-form stories. And the main thing about it is that so many people read them and so many people enjoyed reading them. That's one good one of the many good things about social media is you hear back from readers and uh, just heard so many good thoughts about those stories. Well, again, you know, it, it, I you know, grew up during that period where uh, secretariats, Lou, and a firm were reeling off triple crowns, and uh, you just kept waiting the next year for the next triple crown winner, and uh, so many times we've come close. And, you know, again, you know, what you did was... Uh, recollect the excitement and the disappointment uh, of those who came so close in in the near misses. Um, did you have anybody that kind of didn't want to talk about it, or was everybody pretty much open? I mean, as a writer, that's what you have to do, is really to get these people to say, hey, here's how I really felt, and here's how, looking in the rearview mirror, I view the experience. Yeah, I mean, what we try to do with that story, um, I, early on, I really just wanted to establish with a lot of numbers and all the facts I could get as um, I've just seen enough opinions over the years, but I just wanted to just factually document just how difficult it is to accomplish this. And then once we established that, I just wanted to talk to 
a lot of the people that have been through it and just what that's like going through. And you can tell it just uh, sticks with them for the rest of their lives. I mean, it's just, they reel off stories as if they had happened yesterday. And I'm sure it's, it is like yesterday for them uh, when they reviewed it, when they tell those stories. Well, um, I did uh, get get to watch your presentation uh, at the Eclipse Award and certainly expected. You were nothing but a class act. But what's happening so much now in a writer's world is that it's whatever you do, it seems it's almost uh, uh, supported by, by video. And uh, you were really uh, outstanding in the way that you kind of – uh, made sure that you mentioned the, the entire team at the Blood Horse and all the people that were involved in, in the project. Yeah. Uh, Kim Reeves, Ann Eberhardt, uh, Gary Bogdan, Charlie McCarthy, Kevin Thompson, uh, and uh, some of the editors that helped you. Uh, and, that and was, you you, you seem to pass it off more on them, Frank, than take it yourself. Do what? I'm sorry. I, I said you seem to pass the credit on to them more than you took it yourself. Oh, uh, I you know, there's a lot of people who are involved in it, and so uh, that's how I see it. <laughs> now, as far as, like, you being a writer and then having to involve people doing the videos, uh, do you kind of give them a direction saying, okay, listen, I'm going to be talking to uh, Nick Zito, or, you know, I, I got some really oh, good yeah. quotes out of McCarran. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, that's just, I think, part of the reason it came together so well is we put so much planning into it, myself, um, Claire Novak is the features editor, uh, Ann Eberhardt, of art, uh, I don't know her exact title, but she's the photo and art guru for sure. And um, just through those meetings, we were able to plan all that out. Yeah, every, but when you're doing a multimedia presentation like that, everybody has to know what the other person's doing and what the schedule is. And there was just a, there was definitely a lot of planning and um, months of work, uh, you know, Often not every single day, but uh, in terms of getting all those interviews, especially on video, all that had to be set up uh, ahead of time, of course. And I'm sure after winning an Eclipse Award under the banner of Blood Horse, there was like a huge raise involved in it for you, right? <laughs> yeah, there was a nice little bonus I got out of it, so I appreciated that. And uh, yeah, it's uh, Blood Horse. Blood Horse has made a big commitment to long form, and really appreciate that. I mean. We won in that category, and John Scheinman, a correspondent for us from Maryland, did a long form also at bloodhorse.com that also was honored with the Eclipse Award. So I guess our heads are swelled up a little bit right now, but don't worry, we're still working hard uh, on this year's Triple Crown stories. Uh, you're you're a regular guy, Frank. That's why I like having having you on, and you, you you're so great. There's I don't think there's been a time I've asked you to be on the show that uh, that that uh, you, you didn't come on. But I'm just so happy that right now you've got that uh, that Eclipse Award hanging on your mantle. But as I know you the most, uh, not only through your writing, but uh, bumping into you at all the major racing venues and the the press box. Riverdale being the major. <laughs> well. I see you, Keeneland and Churchill, so that's about as major as, as I get these days. Uh, but anyhow, uh, the point system, at, at first I was a naysayer, and now I'm a believer. And uh, we've got a, we got a points uh, race this week in, at Golden Gates, uh, and uh, it is the El Camino Real Derby. It's a grade three, a mile and an eighth, kind of interesting, all but mm-hmm. one horse 
in this field will be stretching out. And this race has angles galore. I think particularly when when you look at kind of the some of the surface angles, uh, you've got uh, turf horses yeah. coming in. You've got horses that a couple of them that have started their careers out over in Europe, and then you've got a guy who must pinch himself every morning when he wakes up, and that's Jerry Hollendorfer that has three of them in the field. I can tell you just for the heck of it, I'm going to box all three of Hollendorfer's horses because his long shot at oh, twenty wow. to one is the only horse that's won at a mile and an eighth. So with all that said, it looks like we may get a field of 10 going to post, which is going to give you value. Um, An example, of course, would be Cross the Line, who has to be considered one of the favorites right now. He's listed at 5-1 to coming out of the Hollendorfer barn. It'll be interesting getting your read on this race, if I can. Again, the El Camino Real at Golden Gate on Saturday. Yeah, the uh, morning line didn't make much of a stand on any of these horses. Uh, I guess the horse that I like is the lukewarm favorite. I don't think that maybe that might not that might not hold up when the actual betting comes in. But this Indian Naughty is the horse that I was fortunate enough to bet at Gulfstream in his debut there. There were a couple things I liked about him there at that time. Uh, one thing, just playing angles with this horse. Uh, Team Valor has brought over several horses that started their careers in Europe that have worked out very well. Um, including a Derby winner, or uh, no, I'm sorry, I missed a. Went the day well, the one that the Spiral Stakes started out in Europe. But um, Indianati had run on. He's already, he's already run on synthetic. Those tracks in Europe are Winfield, is synthetic surface. And uh, he comes over here and starts on the turf. Uh, Dale Romans is a trainer that I believe has just started training for Team Valor, so I figured he'd be looking to make a good impression. And this horse had every excuse to lose that race and still found a way to win. Um, if you have a way to watch that replay, I, I highly suggest you do because I thought it was the most impressive start for his U.S. debut. And I'm guessing the Connections thought it was a pretty impressive ride by Corey Lannery, not a guy that shows up at Golden Gate Fields every weekend. And uh, Corey's yeah. going to be uh, taking the cross-country flight. They're sticking with him. Uh, Dale Roman's the trainer of this horse. Of course, while he started his career in Europe, uh, he's got that uh, American breeding. He's the son of Indian Charlie. So, uh, But th- this is, a, as far as a race that has value, I mean, it's all over the place. I mentioned Cross the Line, the Hollendorfer trainee. The other Hollendorfer trainee, Stand and Salute uh, is going to get the services of uh, the phenomenal Russell Bays, who decided to stick with him. And uh, certainly a horse for course, no stranger at Golden Gate. Three starts, two wins, and a third. And didn't have the cleanest of trips in the California Derby. Yeah, yeah he had that wide trip in, in that race. So he definitely is capable of bouncing back here. You got can't get any better connections than... Jerry Hollendorfer and Russell Bays at Golden Gate, so that is sure to attract uh, quite a bit of attention there. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, another uh, European horse, and that's uh, Ernest Shackleton, a horse who currently is not nominated to the Derby. I know you can make late noms. Uh, has uh, since coming over uh, from Ireland, has made two starts at Santa Anita. Both of them going long on the turf. Uh, you have the uh, top apprentice, Mr. Van Dyke, in the saddle. The horse is trained by Doug O'Neill. Um, he could be a value at 12-1. to 1. And uh, the horse that had a big wake-up call, again, mostly a turf racer, met a boss at 8-1. to 1. Alex Solis will pick up that mount while uh, Bayerano has a big race at Santa Anita. 
And I did just, just to correct myself from earlier, I just noticed Conquest Typhoon is the lukewarm favorite of seven to two. And he certainly has done nothing wrong in his career. Also a horse that has experience over synthetic surface at Woodbine. And of course, uh, ran fourth in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. And, uh, is coming off a win, uh, to close out the year. So, uh, that, that uh, makes sense as a morning line favorite there. Yeah, and he he was the last horse I was going to go to uh, in this segment. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's a hotter rider right now than Mike Smith. I mean, yeah. his training regimen, um, his uh, selection of horses at every level, uh, it's going to be very interesting as we close in on that first Saturday of May to see what saddle Mike Smith is in. He only rode this horse once. Uh, he did win the Cecil B. DeMille. Again, he's a graded stakes winner in this race. I think that's got to give him an edge. And if you think about it, Frank, he's, he's, he's coming out of four consecutive uh, graded stakes races. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Conquest Typhoon, I think if you could get this horse uh, to pay $9, uh, that that sure could be a steal. Mark Cassie, who's uh, been known as such a great horseman over the years, uh, very very dangerous. I didn't want to get out of this segment without without mentioning Conquest Typhoon. Uh, certainly has been right there with some of the best. Uh, and as you pointed out, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, that was a uh, turf race. But was only beaten two and a quarter lengths by one of the best uh, last year, Hootenanny. Yeah. I mean, what you're talking about, Mike Smith, it's just amazing to see where he is at in his career right now. I mean, it kind of reminds me of what Jerry Bailey was doing the last few years, is going to those big races and having success. Doing so, Mike mostly stays out in California, but, uh, I mean, here's a case where he's going to Northern California. He's not really riding 10 races a day anymore, but he can bring it in the big races, obviously, and, uh, yeah, no one's going better in the big races right now. Well, I, I did uh, read a story on him just yesterday, and it was uh, it was Monday. It wasn't a, a race day out there, I believe. And six thirty in the morning, he's out at Santa Anita. He's working horses. Goes from there, gets on a bicycle, stationary bicycle, rides fifteen miles, goes out, jogs three miles, takes a break, and then goes hiking straight up oh three miles. He's forty nine years wow. old, Frank. <laughs> putting me to shame I need to get working out for sure but I mean that Mike's always had that commitment uh, uh, maybe one of our listeners will remember what year it was but I remember one year he was going for the stakes record uh, the single season stakes record and he was riding in New York during the day and then driving or flying well probably just driving the Meadowlands and competing there at night to try to pick up some more stakes wins so He's been he's been willing to to do what it takes. That's for sure. His entire career, he really is, and so he he deserves every uh, accolade uh, that that he gets. And uh, I was blessed uh, back several years ago to present him with the trophy at, for the big sport of turfdom for his work through the Turf Publicists of America. So he's deserved it for many many years. And let me tell you. He and Gary Stevens, these guys just don't seem to be getting old. They just seem to be getting better. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do, Frank. We're going to take a little bit of a break right here. And when we come back, we're going to go uh, from California to Florida, uh, from Santa Anita to Gulfstream Park. We are talking with Eclipse Award winning writer Frank Angst from the Blood Horse. You're listening to Winning Ponies. 
Lightning kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing the 123 Racing Pick 6, America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love 123 Racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at 123bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Frank Angst, that's no stranger to you listeners at Winning Ponies. Again, now he is the 2014 Media Eclipse Award winner. And, uh, Frank, before we go on to maybe taking a look at some more of the competition coming up this weekend, I wanted to get your read on up until Saturday uh, was certainly the biggest race of the year, in my opinion, and that was the San Antonio Invitational uh, that matched up uh, Opportunity, Shared Belief, and California Chrome, the easiest exact a box you ever made in your life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on paper, those, the top two looked like there was some separation. Even over a horse like Opportunity, as impressive as he was in his previous two starts, it, it still looked like there was a gap between the top two and the rest of the field, and it proved out to, to play that way. It, it really did. Now, um, again, both trainers, uh, I, I listened to them uh, on a, uh, a broadcast national interview. They were both so high on their horses, and really, if you, if you look at them as far as bullet works and everything, and these guys weren't necessarily trying to do anything. Both horses looked like they were rounding into form most excellently uh, for their 2015 debut. Uh, coming into the stretch, you could kind of uh, feel the crowd going, California Chrome, he's back. But then all of a sudden, it was the little horse that could, and the guy we just talked about, Mike Smith, that just blew on by him, in my opinion. I mean, that's the impressive thing about that race is if you take shared belief out, the buzz is California Chrome just crushed the field, you know, because he, he easily was second, well ahead of uh, third-place opportunity. But then shared belief was just at another level, 
just clearly in command the entire race and just won at, at will. I mean, it's just very impressive effort. And, it's, and Frank, it's just so much fun to have some four-year-olds racing that uh, people are familiar with, and Byron is, is still out there as well. And you got to admit, it throws some more logs on the fire concerning the Breeders' Cup Classic because shared belief would be 10 for 10, perhaps, if it were not for that incident at the gate. I mean, it totally makes you wonder. I mean, it, as a voter, I voted for California Chrome in the two categories he won, and I I don't feel badly about it in terms of I, I felt like he accomplished the most last year, but you just have to wonder, you know, it looks, at this point, it looks like shared belief is just another level than these other horses. But on that day, Breeders' Cup Classic Day, he didn't get the chance to, to show it. Obviously, he had some huge wins against older horses last year, but it was hard to gauge what those meant because it, it was very clear that the top horses last year were three-year-olds. Uh, you know, the top six finishers in the Breeders' Cup Classic were three-year-olds. So we were left uh, with kind of an incomplete on shared belief in some ways. I mean, he accomplished so much last year, and he was already a champion at two. So clearly people know how good he is, and, and you know, he's in position to be racing for hopefully several years out there. Well, uh, yes, I mean, I'm looking forward to that so much. You know, being a gelding, he's going to be around. And Hollendorfer, exactly. just like last year, passing the passing the derby, he's going to do right by this horse. I think he's doing right by not chasing the gold and going over to Dubai because you know as well as anybody how many North American horses have tried to do that and have just kind of taken themselves out of the game. It seems like so many of them just don't come back the same. And I guess the plan of action is for California Chrome to head to Dubai and shared belief to pick up paychecks uh, on the West Coast or other portions of North America. Guess I'm not being controversial today, but uh, I think the connections of both horses are making the right call. Um, shared belief that it's the owners and trainers are love the race in California. There's no rush with the gelding. If he stays in good shape, you know, good physically, he can race for a long time, and he's got the connection. He's got the trainer that can certainly deliver that. California Chrome is still looking to add to his resume as a stallion, and uh, if he can go over and win the Dubai World Cup, that certainly adds to that. So I think they've, I think it's the right move, and obviously a huge purse. Uh, it has to be attractive to everybody involved as well. Well, I hope he travels uh, well. Well, listen, I know I'm putting your feet to the fire here, Frank, because I only got about two and a half minutes left. But at Santa Anita, the Santa Maria is the biggest race of the weekend. It's a grade two. Um, it's going a mile and a 16th. And what's so bizarre is handicapping this race is there's several horses coming off very impressive wins, and there's several horses coming off very baffling bounces. Uh, who did you yeah. like in the uh, Santa Maria? I mean, I, I was leaning towards Tiz Midnight, the Bob Baffert mayor. That's, uh, you know, she hasn't, she's been kind of off and on. Obviously, there's probably some issues there. But uh, last year, she had fairly full campaign and just kind of did not, uh, obviously, something didn't go right in that debut this year. But I, I look for her to bounce back. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go uh, with a, a horse that... Started at a lower level and just seems to be peaking right now for who else? Like I said, pinched this guy in the morning, and that's Jerry Hollendorf, 
yeah. grill in that song. I noticed Bayerano elected to uh, stay at Santa Anita rather than go and ride at Golden Gate where he would have had opportunities. So uh, that, that'll be my pick in, in that race. But let me tell you, there, there's a lot of other talent in there. And uh, uh, Warren's uh, uh, Veneta, who's coming off a very good speed figure coming out of the uh, Passiana at Santa Anita. And uh, you've got uh, the, the inside speed horse, again, one of the bounce horses, Yahuila. Um, a, a good betting race for sure. Well, I'm closing down to one minute. Was there anybody that you liked in the Hurricane Birdie? You know, I, I haven't had a good chance to look at that race yet. Who, who were you leaning toward, John? I, I, I think without a doubt the horse to beat is Mary Meadow, uh, trained by Mark Hennig, one of the most consistent horses in training. The horse has won $600,000 and is uh, one for one at Gulfstream. It's a rare distance, six and a half furlongs. This horse has made seven yeah. starts, two wins, two seconds, and two thirds. So I'm kind of going with that angle, Frank. It could, it could pay off, I think. <laughs> I hope so. Well, listen, we've been uh, talking from the blood horse uh, with with Frank Angst, who's been on with us many times, but this is the first time I've had him on as an Eclipse Award winner. Once again, a tip of the cap to you, Frank. Uh, So happy. Well-deserved. You're a hard-working guy, and I really appreciate you spending time with us here on Winning Ponies. Appreciate it, John. All right. Well, I'm sure it won't be the last time we have Frank on. And I also wish the best to John McAvoy, the author of High Stakes, a book I highly recommend if you like mysteries that involve thoroughbred racing. So thank you so much, all you listeners. Don't forget, go get your easy win forms and make some money by checking in with winning ponies. Looking across the manicured turf course over the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.